All right, I'm hanging out here with the uh, one and only Sean, Shawnee baby, and this is Mr. Curiosity, Joe Snedeker. Sean's uh, twisting the dials. Here's the deal, folks. We have um, more guests coming in. My, my, my scenario is this. We're going to do two of these a month, unless they pick up, which I think they may in the future. One inside WNEP person, and then one outside WNEP person. So what's going good? We have a lot of people yet to interview and have some interaction with. Um, and we're going to continue. And I want to let you know, if you have an idea for me, hey, email me. Get me some ideas. Fun, interesting, engaging people in the area that uh, would be amazing to talk to and informative and funny. So joe.snedeker at wnep.com. You can email me or joe.snedeker at yahoo.com. Now, here's the deal. I have a guy coming in today who I don't really know, but yet I know. It's weird. W-I-L-K um, and I and WNEP have this relationship where I give them the weather forecast. I've been doing this for 10, 15 years. And this gentleman, I'm not going to bring up his name yet, is the guy I used to do the weather with. He'd be the news anchor. I'd be the weather guy. And we'd talk over the phone. It would go over the air at W-I-L-K. All right, it's Kevin Lynn, okay? <laughs> so he's an interesting guy. He's engaging. He's smart. He's interactive. He's opinionated. What's he going to be like in this interview I'm about to do? I don't know. <laughs> Is he going to be pushy? Is he going to knock me out verbally? I don't know. We're going to talk about his life, and it should be a good interview. But I want you to know the background. I really don't know him. And I'm going in blind. That's how I like to do it. Are you ready to go in blind with me? Let's go. Curiosity. What are you so curious about? Everything. Mr. Curiosity. And here he is, Kevin Lynn. I tend to be goofy, Kev. You know that. Uh, yes, I do. <laughs> uh, but, it's, but it's a cute goofy, so... <laughs> I don't but know I, how a guy get, your age gets away with still being cute, but you managed <laughs> to pull it off effortlessly, so good on you, mate. How, what do you mean my age? Come on, I look good for my age, you don't look I? look great for your age. Yeah, right. Right. You uh, do. That's why I, I'm jealous. But. I mentioned this in the pre-podcast uh, interview part of this thing. Before we get to this, I said, the guy is opinionated. The guy is a little intimidating. This is you. Yeah, but it's your show. I won't be able to intimidate you. <laughs> you will. Much as you I will can. try. No, I won't you be will able and to you do can. it. I won't be able to do it. But, All right, so I want to begin with uh, when you entered planet Earth. Were you a local guy? No, no. No, I'm a flatlander. No, I was born in Ann Arbor. Uh, my dad was a, a graduate student at the University of Michigan. Um, so I was born in Ann Arbor. They were My parents are both from Queens. Really? Yeah, they were both New Yorkers who transplanted out there. Uh, my father, I think, always had this dream of going to a college with a football team. So, and Michigan was the best school he could get into. What so. do you mean? He was like an athlete? He was like a no, football no. Guy? I think he just liked you know he thought, he looked forward to that and going forward. You know, things didn't change back in the forties and fifties, as you know, things didn't change from one decade to another. <laughs> Not like now, where they change from one month to another. But you know, and so I think he thought of himself as a guy from the thirties who was going to be a guy who was in college in the 40s and he was going to be an alumni in the 50s and watching football in the oh, 50s, 60s and beyond, you know, on his little TV. So You brought up this interesting point, which I always think about because we're so used to change now. Like in five years, this is going to be old. That My house is going to be outdated. This technology is going to be replaced. My car is going to look stupid. Think of like the Native Americans here. For hundreds of years, 
and nothing ever nothing changed. changed. No, nothing changed. Nothing changed. Look, nothing changed for the people in Europe. Yeah, you know, the only thing—the only thing that, that was slightly different was uh, they stopped burning wood in their fireplaces to heat their homes and started burning coal, which was arguably worse, but it made the houses warmer. So yeah, you know, that's, yeah, that's okay. what happened. You know, but there's, yeah, there's I some think there's, peace in that, isn't there? Well, like you can bring up your a, kids and they're going to do what you did, and then their kids are going to. Then it's always the same, right? Right, exactly. And my parents were kind of uh, radical in the sense that uh, they were they were in that first group of um, I was in the first crowd of corporate brats, you know, just like military brats. You know, well, these what do you kids mean? Why was he a well, big you, No, no. You, you grow you grow up every two or three years. You got a new job with a new company or oh, a new I job with right. the same company, and we moved. So every two year or three years, I was the new kid in some other school. Oh, so, so this you is know. your past. You're always moving and grooving. And yeah, yeah. So what did your parents do? Uh, my father was in, you know, he was an upper level, upper middle level uh, executive. Uh, my mom was a, a Bellevue nurse. So, but am I, am I being foolish to say for that generation, it's kind of rare to have educated parents of college? Yeah, well, well, and again, he, well, sure, he was the first one of his generation. He was the first one in his family to go to college. Uh, my mother was the first in her family yeah. to have any kind of uh, advanced education. So, yeah, and that would, but that was the time when all of a sudden, after with the GI Bill, you know, you come out of the Second World War and you could go wherever you wanted to college. Yeah, you know, my oh, uncle, I, who I always thought was kind of a flamo. Uh, my my father's little brother ended up going to Yale. What's Why? A you, well, he's just kind of you know out there kind of guy. Okay. But I mean, he ended up going to Yale. Why? Because Yale was taking everybody. Yeah. You know, all you had to do was really was apply there. Oh, and okay. So, and my father, you know, we ended up taking buses out to the Midwest to try and find a Big Ten school that he could go to. Oh. So, you know. Yeah, but there's there you you're being humble. There's some type of inborn intelligence in these people. They're a little superior. They're, they're academia. It's all there. Yeah. Yeah, all right, they were good. smart, sure. Cuz that's what you have now and you're intimidating me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> all right. So, when are you born? I that. <laughs> you want to get the age? When are you born? What's the uh, yeah, year? Yeah, sure, I'm 70. So you were yeah. born in... Uh, uh, I was I'm born in 48, 48. Late 48. So I'm trying to put all this. 48. Right. You're, so you're, you're in, in 68. You're, you're in the 60s. You're a teenager. You're like a Beatles guy. Are you... Are sure. You, peace, oh, sure. love, happiness. Are you going through all that stuff? Well, that was a little confusing. But, you know, there seemed to be a lot of sex at the end of the whole peace, love thing. So, I, you know, so, <laughs> like so it was certainly intriguing <laughs> from that regard. You know, uh, unfortunately, I was one of those morons who grew up, uh, you know, kind of imitating my father as a conservative. Oh. And my father used to, you know, brag with a very long face that he voted for Richard Nixon five times. You know, <laughs> so, you know, and ended up the last 20 years of his life didn't vote for a single Republican. Oh. You know, once the Republican Party was co-opted by the Christian coalition and, okay. and once they turned against a woman's right to choose, my father turned against them. And, you know, but but for those first 60 years, he was right there with them. So, you know, so, so, so where'd you graduate high school? Uh, uh, Ottawa Hills High School in Toledo, Ohio. Toledo, Ohio, yeah. Midwest guy. Yeah, yeah. And, and back then, what did you know about, like, Scranton? This area, nothing? Uh, no, actually, it's, it's funny because I, I played tennis uh, professionally um, abroad. In See, my, that's after coming college. up. That's coming up. Well, I can't yeah, wait after, to hear. Uh, after college. And I remember, because uh, I, I, would, I would call home on the 4th of July. Yeah. You know, just to check in, and it was the Fourth of July, nineteen seventy-two, and the the Agnes Flood had just hit right. northeastern Pennsylvania. Now my parents lived in New Jersey, but my father says, you know, he says, hey, yeah, you'll never guess, Wilkes Bar got flooded. 
I said, Wilkes Bar. I said, you mean Joe Palooka's hometown, Wilkes Bar? You know, a place I'd obviously never heard of. And, yeah. you know, thought to myself, well, I'll never go there. And I end up living in this region for the last 40 years. So, it's, so what, you what, never know how it happens. So, yeah, you, you, you went to college where? Uh, I went to uh, University of Michigan. So you're staying in the Midwest. Right. You get the degree, d- the degree in. Right. I got a degree in uh, psychology and a uh, well, double major psychology and speech. Really? Yeah. So po- postgraduate work, or because you can't be a psychology guy, which well, I guess you can, right? Yeah, Four I, years su- I suppose you can. I suppose you can. I was on my way to uh, uh, business school. Well, I got into. I, I got in, well, I figured I was going to be. I was going to sell out as a capitalist and make a lot of money and be real happy about it. That's that was my plan. <laughs> you know? So, but I thought you know, I'm a smart guy. I know how to talk. So yeah. you know, I can. I'll figure it out. And uh, instead, I got caught up in this tennis thing and started playing professional tennis. So were you playing and, tennis as like a 14-year-old, 15-year-old? Or oh, no? yeah. 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 I played, you I played you're, growing you're up. You're good. You're thinking, this yeah, is it. I, I'm good. Well, no. I, was, I thought I was okay. I didn't think I was that great. Yeah. But what happened was I got to college, and after college, I got hooked up with these Australian tennis players in New York City. And I realized that, you know, these people are in shape. These people, these people take this seriously. Yeah. So that's when I started getting in shape and taking the whole thing much more seriously, and I got a lot better. So you were playing in college? Uh, yeah. And you're representing the school. You're, yeah, yeah. And you're doing good. Yeah. You got your degree. There's women all over you. You're a, you're a tennis stud. Yeah, well, I, except for that middle part, about the women all over me part. <laughs> so then you get out of college, the degree, you're still playing tennis. How do you, how do you, how do you make a career? How do you make like a life out of that, a career? Or at least well, a you know, it's, it's funny. I mean, you get a job. If you can get somebody to hire you to, to teach at their facility, then the money is very good. Oh, so and, that's what you did. Yeah, and, and, and I got, like I said, I got hooked up with, the, with this Australian guy. And uh, Australian, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was a, a real, a real fed income, fed incomeite. You know, one of these, <laughs> one of those guys. But and and knew his stuff, and really knew tennis. And I learned a lot from him. I also learned about getting in shape, and I learned how to, about how to play, and I learned, you know, the whole thing. And uh, and and I was teaching on the side. Which, so we're in the sixties now, early seventies. No, early seventies. Yeah, I was living in I was living in New York City. Playing tennis. Yeah. Living Doing in Manhattan for and teaching, teaching tennis. Is that and, right? Right. And playing tennis in the summer. So I'm trying you know. to place myself then. Is this this like uh, the 70, it's the battle, the sexes, isn't all that coming up with Mack sure. and Rowe? Uh, and, yeah, no. Uh, not Mack Billie, Jean, I mean, yeah, Billie, Billie Jean King, King and, and Bobby Riggs. Bobby right. Riggs. Right. Says, yes. Right. That was, that was I, it, I'm sure we'll get to it at some point. I had a career in television as well. But when I was the sports anchor in Chicago, I remember it was my greatest thrill was I had mentioned, you know, because, you, you know, five, six minutes in the, for sports in Chicago on, yeah. of a, on a six o'clock show. And uh, I remember saying it was the end of the thing, and I had a few extra seconds, and I said, look, if you're not doing anything tonight, do yourself a favor. Go and see the team tennis is in town, and Billie Jean King is on the traveling team that's in here from the Lobsters or whatever team she was playing for at the time. And I said, she's not only the most important a, a person in women's tennis. She's the most important person in the history of tennis. And I said, so you ought to go see her. So said, she was so fairly know. unknown at the time. Well, no, 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 she was only no, she was, circles. Well, she was, yeah, she was known to the tennis people. Yeah, but, the you average know, guy in the street, you know, average schmo didn't, didn't really know her that well. Anyway, I go into the sports office. The phone rings. I pick it up, and there's this woman on the phone. She says, "May I speak to Kevin Lynn?" And I said, "Yeah, speaking." And she said. Kevin, it's Billie Jean King. Is that right? I just saw the, the, what you said on the air, and I wanted to call up and thank you so much. I said, no, Billie, thank you. 
you've been you've been a wonderful leader and you know a wonderful spirit in the in in our sport. So good for oh, her. That's pretty cool. Yeah. But should we skip to that now? You can if you want. So you're in your twenties. It's your, your podcast, 10- Joe. I, no. <laughs> I give you permission to do this any way you like. Kev, this, these are my mental problems. I need a, a linear arc. Okay, things. fine, fine. So I'm trying to think. You're, you're, arc, you're, arc it any way you like. You're, you're playing tennis. <laughs> you're in the city. Uh, there's not a lot of women around. I just threw that in there. Right. No. What's I, well, then I went to then I, after I got done uh, playing, I went to uh, Yale where I was the tennis coach. Wait a minute! You know, I, was I, a, I don't the, understand. How yeah, you I was just the director. I was the director of tennis. So I was hired to be their their tennis coach, and I did that for That's a couple like a years. That's like a full time job. You're a Yale tennis teacher. Yeah. Do you have to teach academic courses, or it's just all? No, no. All I had to do was run the tennis team. So, wow, so yeah. now in the 70s, you're a tennis Yale guy? Right. And then, and then after I left Yale, which I lasted a couple of years, I didn't like it. So I went to, uh, and then I thought, well, you know, Bud Collins is terrible on tennis, in, on television. Um, you know, why don't I do that? I know how to talk. So that's when I, I, that's when I bought my first television. I was like 26, I guess. And then I bought two more. You know, I had them stacked in a little pyramid in the living room because there were only really three stations at the time. You know, ABC, yeah, NBC, right, right, right. Yeah. So anyway, so I'm watching those uh, in in New York where I was living, and uh, I did that for about a year. I got hooked up with a um, like a public access station, the Boy Boy Scouts. Had a had a video troupe, and I used to go out with them and do stories. But is this your passion? You're like, I better, I, mean, I want to do this. I want to yeah. talk sports. I want to, yeah. Well, that was what I wanted to do. I mean, but obviously so there are way more news jobs than sports jobs, and I got hired at WBRE in a as a news reporter. But I'm absolutely sure that I was hired because the Baltimore's at that point, the family that owned the station, uh, they were mad keen tennis players. So oh, I think so they already so had I, the tennis in there, right? So I, I think they just they wanted to have an in-house tennis guy who was going to play tennis with them when they wanted, and I was more than happy to do that. So you what know. is this first broadcasting job? I'm well, that was it. I was a, I was a news reporter. I had a where I, though? Where was it? WBRE. Oh, that was your first. Yeah, right. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Never never wrote a story before. Remember, so it, took me four, it took me four hours to write my first thirty second voiceover. Now, what year is this? <laughs> uh, late seventy six. Is this normal for someone to get into the business without a journalism or a broadcast degree? Here you are, a psychology degree. I don't think it, I don't think it happens anymore. No, right. <laughs> you know, so think, you just kind of get I think in. The doors there. were a little a little you know draftier well, that's at interesting. that point. You know. So could you take me back to BRE, WNEP, that time? What was going on? What do you remember? I mean, oh, yeah, sure. Well, right about the, BRE time, the, was... the exact time I got there. You'll appreciate this. Yeah. Working for NEP and, and you want some history about NEP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, um, when I got there, WBRE had been number one in the market forever. Okay. And when I got there, Channel 16 decided... We're going about this a different way. This Eldon Hale was the guy who was in yes, charge of the yes. station. Yes, yes. Anyway, he, yeah. he hired a guy named Gary Essex. Yes, I remember a, all these things. He was days. a weather guy from Channel 5, I think, in New York. Oh, I didn't know Came he was out. a weather he was, guy. Yeah, he wasn't, you know, he was, but he was, you know, they could sell him as, you know, New York City's Gary Essex is here. And he had a Gary Essex, you know, who the hell knows what his real name was. But, I mean, it was, you know, Gary Essex is, you know, it was a. Dark haired you know, guy, friendly face, good delivery, I remember. I guess, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I remember watching and thinking to myself, okay, it won't take me long. <laughs> but I, I, I admit that I'm, so be, so, I'm still rather full of myself, if, you know. But in any event, so I would, but, but what happened was, the upshot of what happened was, Channel 16 shot into the, 
into the lead for yeah, the first wasn't time. It more than Essex, it was our broad um, application to Western PA. Southern well, County. no, we the, the other thing, the other thing that you did was you got the helicopter. Yes. So anybody could see the the, the the station letters on the helicopter. You know, when it was in the air. The other thing you did was you got if, again. This goes back to marketing. You know, which, which NEP, Eldon Hale, did brilliantly. And that was he got all these news vans and he got WNEP on the side of every news van. He also bought all the franchises. This happened over the next couple of years. But he bought all the franchises, like that PM magazine or whatever it was called. Oh. And he bought all those. Sean's so shaking his head. So, He's here. So, so you remember all this. Right. So, oh, yeah. I remember watching PM magazine. Yeah, right. me too. Yeah. Right. But and you're anyway, saying that was so, a move so, by this station. Well, Ellen Hill decided, was, let's was do it, all this. Well, it, what it was, it, was it, got, it got the stations, you know, visual out there. It got the stations WNEP. It just seemed like number one. This right. is well, what's happening. It, well, yeah. Plus that, you know, at that point, for the first time you were. And. And NEP spent a huge amount of money bragging about how they were number one, which I, made perfect sense. I mean, in today's, you know, in today's climate, you'd be an idiot if you didn't do it. Back then, oh, you know, well, cutting we, edge. Don't, we, don't bla- we don't brag about ourselves. Oh, I see. Well, gotcha. and Channel 16 says, well, we do. <laughs> so, and, you know, the next thing you know, uh, oh, the perfect example, though, is um, we got uh, our owner, David Baltimore, had gone to uh, MIT. And so he's a Is BRE privately owned by a family then? Yeah, yeah. And uh, anyway, so he had gone to MIT. So when he got the first videotape camera, the first ENG, okay, it was a TK76. It weighed about 50 pounds (laughs) and it cost like $75,000. It was hugely expensive, okay? And because it was an early generation, it was kind of finicky. Some days it worked, some days it didn't, stuff like that. Well, as as by contrast, NEP went out and bought a whole bunch of fifteen thousand dollar cameras that were, I think, they were Ampex or something like that. You know, one of one of the, the further down the line in terms of quality, inferior, but, but, but quantity. But, well, exactly. They had them everywhere. We had one. You know, so I mean, if we if we wanted Isn't, to shoot, if we wanted to get something on the air immediately, we better be there with that camera, or we don't. If NEP wanted to get something on the air, they just said, "Oh, okay. Oh, you're two blocks away. Good. Go take oh, some pictures. So, you know, we'll have it on at six. So you're at BRE and you're seeing all this happening, right. and you're saying sixteen. You're seeing them leap ahead. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. And you're doing sports there. Uh, well, I, I wasn't, but then I got, like, I finally got the sports job, and I started doing sports there. So you're this young guy. There you are in BRE. You're covering football games. Who yeah. knows whatever else? Sure. Married kids. Nothing like that. No. 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 Just no. hanging out in Wilkesbury. Yeah. When you came here from the city, you know, the, the the New England states, whatever you left, you came here. What'd you think? Do you like this area? What were you thinking? Oh no, about? it was awful. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> are you kidding? I mean, come on, Joe. Jesus, this is this is the rest. See, I love the honor. Well, no, this is the Rust Belt. Look, this is and yeah, but let's, the people let's, are great. Let's be clear. Let's be clear. Okay. <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get to the people, okay? But this is the Rust Belt, okay? But let's be clear before I go any further. And anybody says, "Oh, this guy's a creep." No, probably I am. But however, this is this is this is my Rust Belt. I live here. I've lived here for longer than than you've been alive. Okay, yeah. uh, not you, Joe, but uh, <laughs> hey, he's but not that much younger than me. Yeah, he is. Right. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> but but you know, and that's so. This is my Rust Belt. So now, when I'm saying these things, I'm not you know no, looking down my nose. I'm not looking at it through, through the rearview mirror. I live here. So, but it's, it's and because you it's live not, here, you can not, make fun of it. Well, I can I can be a little more, a little less sparing, shall we say, in, in analysis. And 
And, and look, this is not a great area. This is a this is an area where, you know, there there's almost no opportunity to stay here as a young person. OK. I mean, where are your kids? Uh, my son is in Philly, okay. right? I and the other, and the other two are in college. One in Philly, one at Wilkes University. Okay, but so you understand? We understand. I got where you. I'm, I got you. Know, you. But I mean, things that's... have improved. I'd say since the seventies and eighties. Maybe, maybe, maybe they have. But you know, I don't find any. And again, I don't find the people to be you know particularly warm or friendly or embracing. <laughs> I mean, they're like. But I will say, in, <laughs> are you in, a cranky in, old man? No, no. In fairness, I yeah, think they're like they're like people everywhere else. I mean, I don't notice that they're any worse or any better. Than any of the other places I've lived, and I've lived lots of them. See, and that says a lot. Right. So the people I think here, no, I'm going to say they are a little better. I've been around. There seems to be a little ethnic depth. There seems to be a little friendliness. There's definitely less uh, uh, pretentiousness, that eliteness, that. Well, yeah, I, I, you know, I don't, that doesn't bother me. <laughs> you know? Okay. No, I mean, I don't. Th- I think if you get up in the morning and you're not looking up. You know, That's right. You can wake up in the morning and you're not looking up for better, for more, for different, for, you know, more life experiences than well, then just roll over and go back to sleep. But, you know, good, I mean, that's, good model. You know. But you didn't leave when you had a chance. So what made you stay? No, I did. Something... I, left the, I left the first minute I had a chance. <laughs> OK, I mean, I stayed here. I stayed. I was here for four years. Okay, we're still in the seventies or in the eighties yeah, now. Now we're in the uh, late seventies. Okay, okay. And just so I, you know, I'm, late seventies. I'm twelve. I'm listening to Orleans. Still the one. That's the sixteen song. Right. Happy Days yep. is on TV. Sure. Sixteen. Sure. Right. Laverne and Shirley. Everything's sixteen. ABC. It's blowing up. Sure. I've saw, I saw Orleans in a, at the Max's Kansas City in New York for a dollar and a half. A buddy of mine had to drag me in there, and we went up to. I thought to myself, "These guys are great. Who are they?" They were. You know, right? Six months later, it was uh, "Dance with Me" or "You're Still yeah. the One," whichever okay, one was, was that, their yep. first was their first hit. So then, when do you so, get out of here? Uh, it was uh, late seventies, early eighties. I was given. I had two job offers in in a five minute stretch. <laughs> I was in. Uh, Pittsburgh uh, being offered a job at WPXI, which is the I don't know, which, um, I'm not sure which okay. which uh, affiliate that is. But uh, I what was do you at mean? The they same... caught they caught your eye. They knew this guy's good. He has great projection. He has great well, angles they, on things. I, I, what happened Were was you sending think... resumes out everywhere. Oh sure, okay, <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> you, know, I, you wanted to you know, get out. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, look, I mean, and, and that's the problem. Okay, it's this is a great place to be from. Uh-huh. But if you're going to do tell television and you want to make any real money and there's huge money to be made you got to leave town you got to go to a bigger market and so you did yeah and i went from i was here on a friday night and i was at uh, wpix uh, independent network news nationwide the next night so what are you cool. doing there what is it what's i was doing sports sports there yeah and you and so why aren't you the kind of guy, whether you were here or there, that says, "Okay, I'm going to settle down. I'm going to find a woman, get married, have kids, buy an SUV." You never did that route. Uh, no, well, I I, 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 I might have, I might have, been, <laughs> and I stayed in the business long enough. But uh, but no, I mean, no, but if you're making good money in Pittsburgh, why, there's here's the time. Yeah, no, it wasn't. Well, I was in New York, so I never went to Pittsburgh. Oh, I, you never did no, that I, job. Yeah, no, I took the job in New York instead. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I mean, that was my dream. So there you are in the be city. Be a sports anchor in New York City. Yeah. yeah. And how long God. did that last? Uh, about two years. Then I went to uh, CBS Network uh, in Chicago for three years. And then I did, and then I anchored uh, and did uh, independent reporting at uh, ESPN. I was the New York City stringer for 
two years Jeez. and you know did fill in anchoring on weekends and holidays and stuff like that. Kevin, but, maybe because so. you were dragged around so much as a child because of you, what you told me early, uh, your parents kept moving. Maybe now you're pre-programmed to keep moving. You don't even realize it. Well, I don't know. But I will say, as one of my friends once said about me, I was always way better at taking the beach than I was at holding it, <laughs> which means I was, I was a good invasion force. Yeah. I made a, a big impression. Uh, I, That's Things like that. But uh, that once I was there, I yeah. either got bored or distracted or <laughs> stupid or some combination of the So if three. this were like uh, Normandy, you would have uh, defeated the Nazis and then just left. And then yeah. Well, I would have been, no, next wave, please. (laughs) (laughs) You guys hold the beach, you know. I'll go back to the bunker, you know, like I ought to, instead of standing here getting shot at, so. So now it's the, are we getting into the 90s now? Is there ever, uh, are we moving along? Well, I guess in the the late 80s, I got into uh, talk radio. Oh. And, uh, I mean, quite, really, quite by accident, I went over to Warm Radio. I had booked, I had a, a very short miserable failed failed career as a bar owner and wait where, wait where, stop where was this uh, well in in wilkesbury you know when you're in the city mistake. and you're doing uh broadcasting <clears throat> what makes you leave that and then come back here is that what well no or? i left uh, i left new york to go to chicago and then i left chicago to go to uh, espn Jeez. you know and i didn't like connecticut very much and i had friends <laughs> there, so i came back here so <laughs> Gee, that's so what made you come back here, though? Because that's well, 10 here. years. Oh, yeah, I had friends here. You know. See, because the people are better here. Just admit it. Uh, <laughs> certain people, <laughs> yes. You know, the people I became friends with, you know, would I vouch for everyone here? No, of course not, Joe, neither would you. Now, you might say that because you're, you know... Uh, a happy-go-lucky fellow <laughs> on TV regularly, but right. I think in your heart of hearts, things might be a little darker. Okay. So. <laughs> He's using, folks. He's putting that psychology degree to use well, now. I'm, I'm just. Am it, I? Am I? You yeah. seem like a bright guy, so I'm giving <laughs> you the benefit of the doubt. That's why. <laughs> you know? Okay. So, so now you're, you're. Why didn't the restaurant thing work out? Or I, I don't know. Because I'm, I'm certainly. If I wasn't built to hold the beach, I certainly wasn't <laughs> built for the long dollar. You know, and if you want to be successful in the restaurant business, it's a long dollar. Oh, I see. What, what, what was it? In Wilkes-Barre, you said? Yeah, it was a Mexican restaurant. It was oh. a terrible idea. See, this is so, interesting. Well, okay. Because you don't seem <laughs> you like a Mexican insist. restaurant guy. I'd take you more for like a, like a, like a, like a, uh, like an American home-cooked food guy, like a, like a staple. No, actually, Joe, you should look across this desk and, and think of me as the guy who should never have done this in the first place. Guy. <laughs> okay. That's, the, that's what guy you, you should be seeing across the but Oh, that, you shouldn't have done this in the first place. Yeah, that's the guy you're looking at. Right? No, but do you see how a guy like me, I've always lived in this area. I've had two jobs my whole life, maybe three. I haven't really done all these things like you. There's a part of me that's, that's, that's yearning for what you do, this exploration, this divergence of things and then look at me what am well, i going to say well, i had I three but am i going to say when i'm 90 i had three jobs i stayed in the same place i got married had kids yeah got a 401k yeah i didn't own a mexican restaurant i didn't live in chicago <laughs> you didn't lose your ass at a mexican restaurant <laughs> <laughs> you know? i'm just saying i don't know yeah, well okay I, believe me i think no matter how you look back on your life you're a nice guy you're a bright guy uh, you're filled with energy. Good looking. I, I, I would think. I think so. But <laughs> although, although I don't, I don't want tongue, Joe. So, but, 
<laughs> but uh, no, I mean, I think you know you're. You know, right, why, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you be? Why wouldn't you be delighted? No, I'm just I'm just so. messing with you. All right, so so uh, then when do you come to the part where you and me meet? Uh, that would have been in the, I guess, in the early... Did I early, skip anything, no, I don't. Well, no, I, I went to work for Warm Radio. I got fired five times, including <laughs> twice, I think, in the same week. A.M.? <laughs> this is Warm A.M.? Yeah, a. 590 A.M., yeah. Why? What were you so, doing there? Talk radio? Yeah, talk radio. And, uh, and you said the wrong thing. You poked the wrong people. I suppose. You. I don't know. I don't, I, who remembers? <laughs> you know, it's just... <laughs> you know, I, I just... I mean, look, if, if you're going to worry about what you're saying... And the effect it's going to have, and the reaction that people are going to have, then you're really in the wrong business. No, that's you know, why I, I think, respect I think, you. You, I think you, you, always, to... you. You voice your opinion. You stir the pot. You get fired. You move on. You come in here in the interview with the with a cowboy hat on. These are all things I admire. Well, is it really a cowboy hat? Just... <laughs> Fine, no, fine. I'll take I'll take your word for it. But uh, no, and and may I say, as okay. long as we're here at WNEP, uh, you've got a, a, a kid here who started, I guess, a couple of years ago, who is just outstanding. Uh oh, Landon Stoller Whoa. is just, I mean, out, throwing out, this out of nowhere. There's no relation. Well, I, no, no. I, I you know, I, I met of him all a couple of times. people. He, you're seeking him for some reason. You, yeah. This is well, the guy. no. I mean, look. I think Sarah Bynovsky is fantastic too. I think Scott Schaefer is outstanding. But I think Scott has made his peace. He was going to stay here. Uh-huh. I think Sarah's made her peace. She's going to stay here. Landon is on his way through. Whoa. And I hope that that's how it works out. Because this guy, this is, he's an, he's an excellent writer. He's an excellent Kevin writer. Land. He's an excellent reporter. He, I, I don't know if he could find anybody who's more comfortable on the air uh, as a sportscaster, you know, because you all kind of bring this level of energy to the yeah. thing where he seems pretty mellow and still oh, does I see. a great you, you, job. You respect that? You like yeah, that? Yeah, oh, yeah, I think he does well, a great job. what about Jimmy Coles, for example? He's got it all. Jim does a nice job. Jim's here. <laughs> okay. he's, not, he's not going anywhere else. You know, whereas Landon, I mean, you, you take a look at his stories. His stories are, have so many elements in them. You know, he goes back to – he did a story about this kid that I'm coaching, my, my last student um, a few weeks ago. You're still coaching tennis a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. My last student is 12. <laughs> and uh, he did a story about her. I mean, he came up with old photographs of her, of, you know, of her playing, uh, old video of her playing. Uh, he's done the same thing with uh, golfers, uh, swimmers, even all these different people. And he, you know, he brings their past, their present, their future, their prospects, their place in, in – their sport, uh, and he so, does an excellent job. So, so as, a, as a sports anchor, writer, producer, you've done it all. You respect uh, the Stoller man. I appreciate yeah. that. Oh, yeah. right, thanks for yeah. saying that. And that again, that has nothing to do with Jimmy Coles. No, but gotcha. you know, different, you're saying you know, he's a young guy and he's got all this uh, right. space. Ahead all, of him. Yeah, and I don't. I, I see Jim is staying here. Yeah. Well, so. yeah, he's uh, he's getting up there in age. That's all right. I'm going to say. Well, there you go. <laughs> he's, he's, <laughs> all right. So so when when do we? You start at W-I-L-K. Right, about 2002, and that's about the time you and I met. I th- so here's the backstory, story. Uh, and you know how this goes. Maybe our listeners don't. Um, someone here says, let's get our forecasters to do radio broadcast and broaden the reach of uh, the Storm Tracker team. Great mar- s- again, great marketing. Yeah, and then someone at your yeah. place says, hey – Let's have them on our on our radio, and we'll chat with them, and right. then they're getting their word out, and you get a free forecast. Everybody's happy, right? And I think the way, I think it actually started, at, and this is with no disrespect to to you because you, you actually expanded on the business model. But I think the business model started at WARM with AccuWeather. 
Uh, Elliot Abrams was the he was the he invented oh, yeah, 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 and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and he was and, and I think Warm was his first station. So really, so for, I didn't know I believe that. that's the, true. Or I believe at least that's one true. of the first. That's right, interesting. Exactly. Did you know and, him? Uh, I talked to talk to him on the phone. Big way. big money man. Uh, apparently, big. yeah. And <laughs> I went out of Penn State, I guess. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And uh, <clears throat> has done. You know, obviously a great job, and it's a nationwide. I'll tell you, when you drive across, you know, somebody like me, you know, driving out to the flatlands as often as they did, I would drive out and hear Elliot Abrams on 10 different radio stations as right? I'm driving yeah. through the Midwest. Well, a lot, a lot of folks listening maybe don't know, but AccuWeather, this private weather forecasting service, they hire, I don't know how many people, but they sit in cubicles and they do forecasts for the entire country. Right. So you're a station in L.A., oh, let's hire AccuWeather, a guy from AccuWeather sitting in a cubicle at State College, pretends he's giving the forecast for L.A., you know, just by looking at the data, never yeah. really no, he does and it makes forecast. everyone. He just pretends he's there. He just pretends he's there, right. <laughs> right. So TV stations, I'm sorry, radio stations like Warm right. or WILK would have to pay AccuWeather for them to do a personalized forecast. Exactly. So someone at your place, WILK, said, hey, let's just have... Snedeker do it. Right. And, and, or, and, they, and what's more likely, and that's with, this is with no disrespect to WYLK, but what is more likely is somebody from Channel 16 thought it up. And said, I, I don't know how it let's, went. Let's get our, our message out there even more broadly. Gotcha. Let's, so let's, you guys get a free forecast. We get more, our name out to more people. More plugs. Everybody's happy. Right. Exactly. And then the little cogs like me get driven through this process because right. I don't get any more money. Right. But as it turned out, folks, every morning, twice, you and I were chatting together live on the air, interacting. Yeah. We'd have some fun. We'd have some opinions. You'd make fun of me. I'd make fun of you. Nancy was with us, and, it, right. and that went right. on for five, six, seven years. Yeah. And this is when I got to know you. Yeah. But I never really hung out with you. No, no. I mean, it, it, but there's something as you colorful know, about it. Well, you. as you know, there's there. It's sort of endemic in our in our business that you'll spend you know hours of time talking to somebody, yeah. and you know when you you hang up or you disconnect from talking to them, and you think to yourself. I don't know them any better than I did a year ago. Yeah, yeah. You know? so I mean, that's, and again, that's it's nothing, nothing wrong with it, but it just comes to the territory. That's the biz. Yeah, right. But you must admit this too. You have some. You have like a distinctive inflection and voice. And I remember hearing you doing a lot of commercials too. Oh yeah, you'd be yeah. like selling pronto ten thousand, ten thousand commercials. W- right, all over the country. Is it, that it, right? It, businesses I never heard of. EIB. You ever heard of no, EIB? No. It's a chain of stores in the South. You know, a place I hate, the South. You know, <laughs> you know? You and hate it's the South. This chain, well, absolutely. Come on, too red, too conservative, uh, too redneck, too dumb, too. <laughs> see, so, I whatever. love the. Right. See, it's coming out. Right. I'm going to drag it out of you. Anyway, you don't have to drag. I know. No, drag. <laughs> no you don't even have no, to. No, but how drag. did you get it's into that? Like, how did you become a voice well, guy? Uh, I, 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 I can't remember how it. You know how I did the first one, but I did a couple of commercials for somebody. And uh, and then I and then I thought, well, geez, I'd like to make money at this, so I went to the Woodlands and I and I talked to the Godfather, uh, Mark Kornfeld. Okay. And I said to him, I said, I've got a plan. And he said, Okay, Kev. But he says, Remember my famous phrase: pigs get fed, hogs get slaughtered. <laughs> so so we sat in his in in his brother Gary's car, and they put this cassette. In, into the into the, his cassette player back then they had cassette players okay. in cars and so I played these commercials he said these are great he said what do you want I said here's what I want I so said, you, I want- do you what do you mean you you made fake ads yeah with your voice yeah selling fake S- items. stuff for this no stuff for the woods things. yeah stuff for the woods oh I see you know and I, then you said what do you think I want to get this out right and you know you want to buy these for me and uh, and and Mark said what's the price and I said well I want to do enough of them 
that I make money at it, but I don't want to charge so much that you don't want to buy them. So he said, so, so he said, so good business right, model. Well, right? So he said, so, so what do you want to do? And I said, well, how about five a week? Pay me fifty bucks an ad. You know, and I'll do five a week, yeah. and you know, and that's that's enough to you know make a side living of yeah. a couple hundred bucks a week. Yeah, you know, plus that, I end up with generating a body of work, which I then started sending around to other people, and they started hiring me. Oh, uh, I, I know see. Bernie Chevrolet hired me, and then the two eighty six corporation. Oh, I forgot you know, about them. Yeah, please do. Uh, but the two eighty six <laughs> corporation hired me, and I did ads for them for a while. Then I did ads for Jack Williams. So you mean you wrote so, them and everything? Oh yeah, because you had a way about them. They were clever. They were funny. You had the inflection. And it was it was different. Right. Yeah. Well, I that was them. that was the whole plan. Yeah. yeah. The whole plan was, you know, how would you talk to somebody if you were talking to somebody about an ad? You know, would you yell and scream and, and over amplify your voice and think, talk like this? Or would you, you know, kind of mumble and stumble your way through it? Because, well, you know, the guy's sitting right next to me. So what's the big deal? And yeah. that's that was the business. That was the the creative model that I tried to, oh, that's you know, interesting. Tried to adopt. And they were. Did that yeah. last for years or? Uh, oh, yeah. Until, well, <laughs> until last year. Is that yeah, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I did them for oh, 30 years. Wow, well, that's that. interesting. So did you... Hey, they can answer that. Is that's that, all right. That's, that's a special fine. woman? That's fine. No, it's not. It's, <laughs> it's just Kevin Old and does not operate his phone. That's all that is. So. <laughs> so when you're Nothing to see here, folks. When you're collecting all these checks, did you, uh, did you ever think of, uh, I'm not going to tell the government I'm making this money and not pay taxes? Oh, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just no, I mean, no, I'm just and, messing no, with you. And that's fine. It's a fair question. As you and I discussed before the show, uh, there's no such thing as an unfair question. There's only, oh, yeah, that's there's right. only a stupid answer. But, uh, yeah, but, 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 the, but the real answer is uh, no, I didn't because okay. I'm not clever enough okay. and I'm not sneaky enough. Okay. And, you know, plus that, you know, how much tax are we really talking about? It's not that much, yeah. you know. So and why, you know, why take a chance? And and I always assumed that if I had any black marks against me socially, tax-wise, things like that, that it would affect my ability to continue on radio. Gotcha. So I just right. thought to myself, okay. Keep it clean. Yeah. I'm just, you know, keep your nose clean and, and, and you know, for all the, the personal things in my life, make sure you stay ahead of them. So I always made sure that everybody knew that I'd done a lot of drugs, you know. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, because I didn't want somebody to call the radio show and say, hey, oh, I saw you doing drugs. No, I, I talked about that last week, you know. <laughs> my first three minutes on the air, I Let talked about out. that. Let yeah, it well, out. I mean, I, Nothing you know, to hide. No blackmail well, cap. I'm not, look, I'm not proud of it, you know, right. but I'm not ashamed of it either. You know, it was something I did. It was fun. So so um, when you were at WILK, were you doing these ads on the side? Is oh, that sure. all happened at the same time? Yeah. And then yeah. you're talking with me every morning, five days a week. Right. And then this all comes to an end, I don't know, was it 10 years ago, eight years ago, five years ago? Uh, yeah, 2010. So, all right. So 2010. Now, would that have been one of the longest periods in your life where you're doing the same thing and living at the same place or no? Uh, well, living at the same place, I've been, I've been at the same place since 91. Oh. So it's almost 30 years. I've oh, wait, house. so that's so, interesting. Yeah, it was a bunch of different jobs in that, in that period. I mean, I was also the communications director for Solid Cactus, the uh, website, uh, commercial website company. What are they? Doing? I also taught, uh, they, they build uh, e commerce sites for small businesses. So it's uh, all voice stuff. Like you're the representative? Or are you? No, no, I was the communications director. Oh. I did, you know, I did I, I bit pretty much every single piece of paper that came out of the company I wrote. 
Oh, so, so, so you're so the I did creative that. writer, I, you're right. the marketing in a way guy. Right. You're, you're, I also was working at the at the University of Scranton for five years. Teaching, same, educator, yeah, Professor same, Lynn. Yeah, same period. Um, uh, you know, coincidentally enough, I taught things like news writing and copywriting and public speaking. So it wasn't, it wasn't like I was stretching for a new, you know, stone to overturn in my life. But. No, but it's funny. Again, we go back to the psychology background, but no broadcast journalism. It's almost like you're a self-made man in that area, even though you're not formally educated in that area. You're formally educated in the other area. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess. I think that's, I think that's right. Um, you know, the thing is, I wrote a lot, yeah. you know, and um, I wrote a lot growing up. And uh, I had stuff published when I was in high school, you know, like in local newspapers and things like that, things that I had written. So I always felt a certain confidence that, you know, if somebody said, please do a story about this, that I could do it. Right. Plus that I was really good at nailing it to the word. Like when they would say we want 200 words, I'd say, does that include the title? <laughs> you know, so or just or just the body, you know, because I could I'm I I can do that like a, like an Apollo mission down to the last yeah, detail. Yeah, I can you know, and so if you can write like that, then I thought that the other stuff, news writing, I need a thirty second voiceover, couldn't be that hard. Then it was came to a commercial. Commercials got to be exactly fifty nine seconds yeah. every time. Didn't think that was seemed very hard. So that's how I did it. So. Uh, you already said you're okay with this. You're a 70 year old man. According to my calculations, you can start collecting Social Security. You can start doing Medicare, all that in your mid 60s. Are you just taking it easy now? What have you been doing for the last five, 10 years? Well, I got married for the first time what? at 65. What? <laughs> right. Sean, are you listening to this? <laughs> Who gets married at 65? I didn't know this. Yeah. yeah. Where did this woman come from? Uh, out of a local? dream. Out of a dream. A local may woman. I say. Yeah. Uh, originally, yeah. Um, Whoa, married five years. Years right. ago, yeah, and uh, sixty-five. Right? And, How do you and, know she didn't you know marry what? you for all your money and background and social security and? Because I don't have any of that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just figured if I could talk her her ear off, that she'd have to say, "All right, I got, I got to, I got to have this guy." Wow. So anyway, so no, I, I couldn't be six... happier. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, like I say, it was, you know, the the perfect thing for me. Yeah. And she's perfect for me. Oh, and, that's excellent. Does she, and, and I'm and I'm and I would not have, you know, wanted to do this any differently. You know, I mean, I'm glad I waited to 65 till I was finally grown up enough. Yeah, that oh, I wasn't going to screw up my end of the deal. I'm so. betting you're in one percent of the population on, on, on the United States that got married one time after 65. I bet you that's less than one percent of the population. Probably, yeah, it's probably Maybe even a, less probably, than half a percent. It's probably a pretty small number. I love yeah. it. But we ended up, uh, or I, probably mostly at my behest, we wa- ended up watching way too much HGTV, and so so uh, oh, we've so ended up we've ended up uh, buying and renovating and uh, well buying and renovating. Um, Five houses. Oh, so you're hanging and in. You do all that stuff, too? No, no. Jane oh, you hire it. people. Jane does it all. She does it all. <laughs> she's, you she's, hire contractors, she's handy flip one, it. Right? I, no, no, actually, we've, we've sold one. Okay. I'm not sure if you could, again, that gets back to this area. I'm not sure if you could actually call something that you do in the Rust Belt a flip. <laughs> Okay. Okay, right. okay. If it takes a year <laughs> to pry it off its, off its dead ass and turn it over, then I think that's that's something else. But it's probably not a flip anyway. But we did sell one of them. Uh, the other four we've kept, and uh, they're rental properties out at Harvey's Lake. Oh, so you're so, almost yeah. so you're still reinventing yourself, which is pretty interesting to me. Well, you know, you hang around long enough, you do a lot of stuff. 
Yeah. Now, now uh, I also remember this other thing. Uh, this I know that you were a, a fracking representative. Still doing that? Oh yeah. No, I did. I did. I did nine years working for Lindy Corporation after I left radio. Oh. Um, and it was one of those weird things where. Uh, I'm not sure how Scott <laughs> found me, but I was working at uh, Congressman Kanjorski's office. I was working in the in the office, and he showed up and he says, "I want to give a donation to the Kanjorski campaign." They said, "You can't give money here. This is the congressional office. You have to go to the you have to go to the campaign right. office to give money." He says, "Well, is Kevin Lynn here?" And I could hear him. You know, <laughs> you know? He says, "Tell him to call me." <laughs> so, and I went to work for Scott Lindy, and uh, a great guy, a guy I've known forever. And I found out all about uh, the, you know, the natural gas industry and modern domestic energy and all that. So you were um, like the, the, the PR guy? Yeah. Yeah, I was the communication You know why they hired for... you, didn't they? Because you have that intimidating, uh, 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 that demanding, I know what I'm talking about, way about well, it. Well, d- maybe, but I think, I, I think honestly, you know, these, look, all these companies are always on the defensive, Joe. Yeah, right. You know you're the mean? perfect guy to do that. Well, and the thing is, that I think my advantage, you know, coming to work for them, was that I used to, you know, re- being the attacking reporter. So I know yeah, what the yeah, yeah, I know yeah. what kind of questions the attacking reporters are going to ask me. So and the the whole the the number one rule of, of public relations is stay ahead of the story. Okay. The number two rule of public relations is stay ahead of the story. I mean, it's pretty cut and dry. Build and, your artillery before right. you go to war. Well, I know what you know. Stay ahead of the story wherever they are. You got to stay two steps ahead of them so that they're not saying, "Oh, well, what about this?" And then you're saying, "Oh, well, no." You don't ever want to answer a question with no. Yeah. Or gee, we we're we're working on that. No, oh. you always want you always want to have the solution figured out and tell everybody. And of course, the the way to do that is to have figured out what they're going to ask you beforehand, and then you know have an answer ready. So it wasn't so, for the money; just you must have been pro fracking. You must have, and we don't want to get too political here. Well, but no, I'm I'm fine getting political. Uh, no, actually, I was completely against fracking. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, so- you know, but but again, but 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 to finish the story. I, I didn't know. Right. You okay. did I, didn't, I didn't realize. You know, for instance, Joe, you'll appreciate okay. this because as a science guy. As you know, there are, um, there are um, chemical, or not chemical, but uh, carbon um, placement on diamonds. Like if you cut, a, a sh- you shaved off a little bit of a diamond, you could be able to tell if you examined it where it came from. Was it from, was it from a, a conflict country or was it from South Africa? The molecular signature. Right, yes. exactly. Okay. Well, it's the same thing. As you know, it's the same thing with natural gas. Okay. And not once, okay, and I paid attention for 10 years, not one time did the gas coming out of somebody's faucet Okay, you know, burning out of someone's faucet. Yeah. Not once did that gas ever match the gas coming out of the ground from any uh, well in in the area. Okay, I mean, it, it, there has never been a match. What this is, it's called ambient gas. It's a natural. It's it's, it's naturally yep. occurring, but it's, it's a great visual for the media. Well, it's of course a great, it is. Oh my of course it's like, well, and, and it's a fair question. Yeah. <laughs> what are you no, doing? Sure. Right. You know? yeah. Well, there's an answer to that, and the answer is we're not. You know, what, what we're doing is five miles down and two miles over, and that's where the gas is. It, that's where our gas is coming from. Your gas is coming from a pocket, probably thirty feet under your underground in your backyard. Okay, you know, it might be a a dead buffalo, yeah, or it might me- be a, a, methane is a, is a natural decomposition and, and process emitted by the earth exactly, from these exactly. microorganisms right. that lived millions of years ago. Right, and look, if if the if the chemical signature had ever matched, I would never have lied about it. I wouldn't lie about it now. 
but it never has matched. So, I mean, and, the, you know, the only place where I ever diverged from Scott Lindy's opinion about things was, I believe we should have a severance tax, and Scott doesn't. But I never, ever said that, <laughs> that I was in favor of a severance well, yeah, tax. because who when wants I was to work- cut into someone's well, profit? Well, when I was working for Lindy, you know, my opinion wasn't my opinion. My opinion was Lindy's opinion. So <laughs> right, tell yeah, me, yeah. Scott, how do you feel about this? You know, I was going to investigate, you know, and, and we could come to a different conclusion. But he still owns the company. So gotcha. we went with it. <laughs> so when did that end? Um, I guess about a, year, about a year ago. Oh, so, yeah. so is this the most retired you've been? Are you I'd a, say, yeah, I'd say. So you're a little bit of a landlord, a little bit of a government check every year, two weeks or month. I don't know how that yeah, works. Yeah. And you're living good. You're loving it. Yeah, yeah. And we're going. Uh, you got Jane a new and life, are, Jane and I. Yeah, absolutely. Jane and I are going on our first uh, a road trip together uh, next week. We're going to drive down to Florida for a few days. I love it. So uh, yeah, I'm married 26 years, and I find my wife, who is like 115 pounds, five foot three. What, what's your theory? Why do they scare the hell out of us? Why? <laughs> well, mostly because they're smarter. <laughs> no, I'm serious. No, well, so am I. I mean, they also they also they have powers they that I can't comprehend. Well, they don't think with their they don't they don't only think with their heads. Okay. They also think with their hearts. Yeah, I know. I know. You're thinking no, how many, how many different looking, heads. Yes, I'm I know. For all their guy right. advice. That's all. Like no, no, no. you admit they're powerful. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But Look, I think that, not- I feel like I'm in good hands. Okay. So, and I assume you feel like you're in good hands. She's a great woman, my wife. But at the same time, I think she's a little uh, nutty. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> but and, yet and, she's and powerful. You, and over you're me. what? You're what? <laughs> You're 56 and you act like you're 14. 53. I'm 53. 53 and you act like you're 14. Okay, that's not the least bit nutty, Joe. <laughs> you know? I mean, come on. All right, good point. I mean, look in the mirror, then take a deep breath, turn to her and say, honey, here are all the things that I need to talk to you about in your life. <laughs> you know? Yeah, but I'm more rational. Right, let me have another look in that mirror. Oh, I'm more, right, never mind. I'm more <laughs> rational and logical than her. So? So she has these irrational things that... Uh, yeah, okay. I, right. Just keeps, you know, it's, it, what's that, that great line from William Hurt in, Here we go. Uh, in uh, um, The Big Chill? You know, just trying to keep the conversation lively. Ooh, all right. <laughs> so. well, well, you kept it lively here. My last question to you is this, and this is serious. I played a little tennis. Good, then life. I'm glad I got the Landon thing in. Yeah, that I'm was glad a, you did. But right. you're 50, I mean, I'm 53. Yeah. You're 70. Yeah. You're a professional tennis guy, but let's face it, the year difference are going to uh, work on you. If you and I went out today to play tennis... Do you play? I play just a little bit. Well, then it wouldn't. It, so even it, at your age, it doesn't matter. You're well, still going to kick my butt. <laughs> not for you. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, look, if you played all the time uh, and you were in a league. No, I haven't. No, the, no. You know, it's been a then, while. But I thought then, maybe you, you know, still that, look pretty fit. You know, but the big thing I have, Joe, you know, and people my age have who have played tennis, basically, I've been Placement. playing for, yeah, exactly, control over the ball. So I'd I mean, be running around so, like an idiot. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> <You know? laughs> no, and, and I've had the question. The questions come up, a few, you know, several times over the years. You know, how do you think I'll do? And I'll say, well, I'd, I'd have to hit three balls, and then I could tell you. What if I distract you with uh, really weird-looking, tight terry cloth, light blue shorts? That would be my strategy. You're the wrong gender to have that work in <laughs> <Well>, any way. <laughs> now, if you had I mean, your wife come out and do something salacious, then uh, we might have something to talk about. But uh, I'm not expecting that. And 
No, are right. you? Well, you're the man. Anything we left out? Is there anything, we, if anyone listens to this and they want to know something about you or contact you, anything you want to throw out before we say, it's over? Uh, no, I guess it's over. Pleasure. I, I'm glad you got to me on your list. Oh, I love it. <laughs> All right, folks. Thanks, Kevin Lint, for coming on in. And I'm going to beat you in tennis in tight blue uh, Terry Cloth shorts. Uh, I, I, I wish you good luck. <laughs> Thank you. Curiosity. What are you so curious about? Everything. Mr. Curiosity.